Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. And I could get a lot of like at the beginning, maybe like feelings of letting me down. And I'm like, no, like this is good. You're talking to me. You're telling me what you're struggling with. You're not letting me down. Like I'm just trying to help you. So like, let's work together on this. People are so used to getting in trouble, especially when they're dealing with coaches or like figures of authority. We're on the same level. Yeah. There's no, there's no judgment. Like I had this conversation yesterday. Like number one, you're not on a diet. There's no failing. There's only learning. Like the only way you fail is if you give up. Welcome back to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. I'm here with my partner in life and our favorite head coach of tactic, Lindsay Martin. If you're a hardcore listener, you know that we've done an episode on the seven pillars of a great client. Well, today we're going to be doing something a little bit edgy and we're going to be talking about some of the characteristics of a bad client or maybe just a client that isn't ready for the coaching relationship. While we do complain a little bit, we hope that this podcast helps any person in any coaching relationship get a little bit more value out of it. Enjoy. Hey, Meredith. Oh, hey, Alex. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, Alex. Oh my God, it's a three-person <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, so Lindsay is live with us here in Fernie. And we're coming at you with a fun one. But first, we're going to start out by sharing Lindsay's first mountain biking experience. Mm -hmm. I have been telling Lindsay for the last couple months that she's going to come mountain biking with us. And you're always like reluctant because you're still like, like <laughs> you're very much like still in CrossFit. So it's like there are certain risks that maybe you don't take when yeah. you're competing in that sport and what that you're putting a lot of time into. But I have been sharing with her, all of our guests that have come out have fallen. Yeah. Well, my mom, who's not really a guest, but she's fallen. And it's always on the one bike. The gray the bike. bike. Yeah, the gray, <laughs> the gray bike. So my mom's crashed on I've crashed on it. And then we had Jackie and Meg out, Meg, yep. our other coach. Jackie was on the gray bike and she crashed. <laughs> and then we had a, another couple out and the girl on the gray bike also crashed. So like we thought maybe the bike was cursed, yeah. but that didn't stop us from getting you on it the <laughs> yeah. other day. There's only one way to find out. Yeah. We need to <laughs> understand if this, this is a trend or if we're dealing with outliers. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up doing Inferny Lazy Lizard, which like I've taken a couple of people on that because it's green and it's not that steep. It's 7K out and then 7K back. And by 7K out, do you mean 7K up a mountain? Yeah, but it, it wasn't like straight up a no. mountain. It's like meanders up. There is some elevation. And we decided to go the whole way. And Lindsay was back. You were back with Chris, yeah. your fiance, which is nice for us because usually when we have guests, we have to like take care of them. Mm -hmm. But it was like, Chris is a good mountain biker. So he was kind of taking care of you, yeah. which was nice. It was like, okay, they're good. But how, how was it? Yeah, it was fine. It was more fun once I realized what gear I was supposed to be in to get up the mountain. <laughs> uh, so I was in like a harder gear, like a higher gear, probably more than half of the way up. I think at five kilometers is when I was finally like, I don't understand how you guys are doing this. I was like dripping sweat. It was like coming off my nose. And Chris had tried to tell me that I should gear down. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would I do that? And then uh, finally I was like, Kate, how are you guys doing this? And he was like, gear down. And I was like, but won't I just like not go anywhere? And he's like, no, you'll have to like spin your feet more, but you'll like go up the mountain easier. 
And it turned out that he was correct. <laughs> yeah. So basically, like for a lot of people listening, if they've ever been on a biker, mm-hmm. like damper two or three, mm-hmm. just oh, like yeah, maybe spinning and you get up the mountain and you were on like damper 10 yeah, damper. standing and it was almost like an hour and 15 up. So it was probably like 45 minutes in that you were like on damper 10. <laughs> yeah. I remember looking back down the trail and I was like, they're having a little bit of a tip down there. <laughs> I was like, please just leave me alone. I was like so in it. I was like, how is this so hard? I kept looking back. I was like, is everyone good to keep going? And then, yeah, of course you're like, yep. I just like won't back down. Yeah. I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. But holy shit. This is some sort of a challenge. Yeah. yeah I remember looking back one time and you were standing and climbing and I was like, Strong move. That's a strong move. (laughs) Everyone was pretty positive, though, the whole time. Like, especially since with a one-hour ride turned into a two-hour ride. And at the top, Meredith was like, I'm a little hungry. (laughs) I was like, me too. And then at the end, Lindsay's like, I haven't let myself get this hungry in quite a while. (laughs) And Chris was like, I have gummies (laughs) gummies <laughs> you tell us that now <laughs> just like yeah. dispersing them to it. <laughs> it was pretty i was like teetering on bonking i was like i i bonked I have, by the end i, I was thought like, i did on the way up because like my legs just wouldn't move and i was like this has never happened like yeah. <laughs> i'm broken <laughs> that but was yeah great. you guys talked about how everyone always fell on the bridges so i was like really worried about the bridges and on the way back, like on one of them, I got off and walked because I was like, Ugh. but they're actually not that bad. No. You just no. have to be confident and just like yeah. go over them. If you hesitate too much, I can see how you like. I think people get on off. them and then they stop pedaling yeah. and then the bike tips. So you have yeah. to like, it's, I mean, that's just with biking. You just pedal through whatever it is you're trying to do. But yeah, lazy lizard is not the right name for that trail. No, <laughs> it was, it ended up being quite a workout, Yeah, which I liked, but yeah, yeah. it was fun. Overall, A plus. Thanks for, yeah. do, thanks for coming. Yeah. A plus thanks experience. <laughs> Yeah, and we know the bike isn't cursed now. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay, so as mentioned in the intro, we're going to be talking today about, I want to title this like bad clients, but it's mm. it's not bad. It's people who maybe aren't ready for a coach. They're not ideal for certain reasons. And I want to start by qualifying before we get into the kind of list of things that may prevent someone from making progress or having success with a coach. And everyone comes in with, a different history, a different background, baggage, shit from, from childhood. Mm -hmm. It could be from something that happened at school, like trauma that may lead them to having some of these qualities that are perceived in the way that we perceive them as coaches. And like this podcast is about how we perceive the client. We're not invalidating why that client may be presenting with some of this behavior. It's just very, it, All we're saying is these are some of the things that make it difficult to work with a client. And if you're a client or you're a prospective client listening to this, we hope that it's maybe something that's helpful for you Mm -hmm. rather than something that makes you feel bad or um, it like all of our podcasts are really meant to be uh, opportunities for for learning and for growth. And um, so we'll, we'll try not to get too negative here, but it it is a little bit of a negative spin on something that we've done, which is the seven pillars of a good client. So these are kind of some of the things that we've seen that maybe would prevent progress. So my suggestion is to just take what we say and say, you know what, that's actually me. And I'm going to use that and I'm going to shift into something that's a little bit more productive. Yeah. I think to reiterate something we said on Beth's podcast, it's not always your fault, but it is your responsibility. Yeah. And so that starts with self-awareness and then also like acceptance of your limitations. Yeah. Yeah. So Lindsay, you've 
you've been working with us for over three years now. Yep. You've been working with a ton of clients. So you have a really good understanding as well. And and sometimes we kind of commiserate about some of these clients. And mm-hmm. I will say again, just to kind of qualify some things, the majority of people that we work with, we're lucky in that we're not dietitians who work in a hospital and are told to go talk to somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't want to be talked to about their nutrition. Right. Like we're not telling people like, oh, hey, mister who had a heart attack, you can't be eating this type of food anymore. Like that's, we work with people who sign up and pay us because they want help and they're very motivated and driven and they just maybe need an extra accountability or guidance or they're stuck. We're really lucky. So the majority of our clients are very great clients and fun Mm -hmm. to work with, but there are a few that, that struggle and that we struggle with. So why don't you start out with the first point? And that's the client who's non-communicative. Yeah, I feel like this one is like obviously the hardest one because sometimes with like other things, you can at least like understand where it's coming from. But if someone isn't communicative, if they're either not answering you or when they do answer you, they give you like one worded answers. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just kind of pulling teeth to understand what's going on or like how you can help. That is probably like, yeah, like one of the hardest clients to work with because you just don't know exactly like where to go if they're happy and like you can ask them if they're like happy with the experience and that's just kind of all they want is I don't know someone check their logs in my fitness pal and like give a couple suggestions and then they'll just say okay and carry on but I feel like we have so much more to offer and like so much further and like they can gain a lot more by being more open and more communicative with us yeah like if you're not communicating well you can pretty much assume on both ends that expectations are not being met they want more you want more Sometimes not. I mean, like I've had clients who are short communicators and we've worked together for over like years, Mm -hmm. but more often than not, it's there's something being unsaid. And it's just like you leave that amount of space between like in communication leaves a lot of room for assumptions and hard feelings and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of brings us to the next thing. And that's expectation. There's a couple bullet points underneath expectations. And that's our coaching isn't a program. Mm -hmm. It's very personalized. So it's very hard for us to deliver coaching to someone that we have no idea what they're doing, how they're feeling, what's going on, what they're struggling with, what they're doing well. Like you can't deliver something because it's not just a blanket approach. Yeah, you send out the plan, it's macros, but it's not just macros. It's so much more. For some a lot of people it's not macros. Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of stuck like hi, like, how's it going? Like trying to ask, how's your breakfast? Like looking. (laughs) And then I never understand, like, you'll ask a question and they respond to that question. And then you send a follow-up question and there's no response. Yeah. So I'm like, on their end, are they just like, oh, she's annoying. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I hope, I mean, why are you paying me then? (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes I try to, for a while, like when I was coaching early on, I would like, send a message on the Monday. And if I didn't hear back, I would send just a standard message on Friday as if Monday never happened. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like on Monday, Hey, how's it going? This blah, 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 this, whatever. And then on Friday I would do the same thing. Like, hi, so-and-so, how was your week? How did you feel you did with this? Now I'm very much like, I didn't hear back from you on Monday. Is everything okay? Cause like, it's kind of odd that someone wouldn't take the time to text at least at some point in the week Mm -hmm. or like, whatever. I've also come to the realization, this is completely off topic. Some people have like hundreds of unread text messages yeah, on their phone. Yeah, they just live their like life. Like emails. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how do you do that? Because yeah. I feel like with email, it's expected that there's like a fair amount of junk mail. And like, yeah. if you want to clear that out, fine. If you don't, also fine. 
like text messages, it's actual people trying to get in contact with you most yeah. of the time. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I guess it's for people like that, maybe the best thing to do is before you start working with a text-based coach, maybe clear out your <laughs> messages. <laughs> yeah. Or say like, hey, I treat texts like emails. So you may not hear back from yeah. me in a week. I guess some people don't respond to emails in a week. What's the like time frame on responding to a text versus an email? I think emails 24 hours yeah. th- during the week. Especially if you're like a business, week, yeah. like yeah. it's like you're a service-based company. Yeah. 24 hours or less. And I think text message, I would say like three hours, unless you work in a, like you're like a doctor or nurse or some, like somebody where you're working and you can't get to your phone. I think three hours is like, I would say that's the minimum. During time. business hours. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 So if you get a text at one, you should expect back around four. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or faster. Interesting. I don't know. But as far as expectations, we've talked about this before. People kind of, they come on. It's so weird because I feel like they follow us on Instagram and they're like, I really like the way that this messaging sounds. It sounds very personal. It sounds very reasonable. Slow progress. Yes, yes, yes. I can get behind this. And then they sign up. There's like this expectation that we have a secret that we weren't putting yeah. on Instagram yeah. that allows them They've to just, bypass. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, new level unlocked. Here's here's how you get fast progress. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's an expectation. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, yes, I hear what you say on Instagram, but like, what about for me? A hundred percent. Yeah. There's no secret program. There's no Pasco. We're not playing Monopoly. You don't get to skip ahead. Mm-hmm. Everyone goes through the same process. Yeah. But with the coach, you get someone who says like, hey, you still keep going. Yeah. Whereas if you're just following the Instagram, then you don't. You're just by yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of value with coaching, but that's just one thing. And it's undervalued. Having someone say like, hey, keep going, even though you didn't lose weight this week. Yeah. That is very valuable for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Or just even like reminding them that like, progress isn't going to happen overnight. Just like those like constant reminders, like there are some clients and I don't mind doing this, just like they'll tell me that they feel disappointed in their like rate of progress. And I just have to remind them like, again, that like, this isn't going to happen in like a week or two weeks or even like a month. It's going to like take a long time and like, kind of like that, like fall in love with the process type stuff. And like, try not to even think about like your weight loss goal, like focus on these other things. And like, you have to remind them but it's when people get like really frustrated and like angry and, and like give up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is when it's obviously an issue. Yeah. It's interesting how many people come in with, they think that they have a right to have expectations for rate of progress. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I would consider myself a pretty, like an expert in this field. I would never set like, yeah, you can expect this amount of progress in this amount of time, even if you're like very compliant. Yeah. And I'm an expert mm-hmm. and people are coming in and it's like, frankly, if you are an expert, it's unlikely that you would need this level of assistance. Mm-hmm. So where does this entitlement to even be able to assess your own rate of progress, where does that even come from? Yeah, It comes from like the media, magazines that yeah. they read at the grocery store lineups. Like I get, I've had people who are like, I only lost 1.5 pounds this week. And I'm like, only? sorry, only? <laughs> That's actually really good. Like what, then you have to be like, what are your expectations? Just so we're clear so that I can frankly, shut them down in a polite way. But yeah, sometimes you can't turn those people around. It's just like they they, they just cannot accept that it's going to be. And then what ends up happening, and it's it's sad, they don't make any because Mm -hmm. slow isn't acceptable. So they can't. And fast isn't going to happen because that's the way the cookie crumbles. Mm -hmm. So then they're just like, 
then no, I don't want any progress. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be fast. I don't want it. I literally had Which is like logically makes no no sense. sense. (laughs) I had someone quit after two months because she had only lost 14 pounds. And that's a a true story. That's crazy. It's like so upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. The other... The other type of person, the non-ideal client, are are people who expect their coach to mind read. This, I feel like a lot of times goes with the la- like lower levels of communication. Yeah. yeah. Our process is very personal. We say this mm-hmm. a couple different times in the onboarding process and in our Instagram and, and when you sign up. And it's, I think it's very clear. It's personalized nutrition coaching. If it's not meeting their expectations, some people think their coach should know that and be able to change the deliverables without being told. I have to, it's like at the point where with a lot of my clients, if I'm unsure, if they're not very communicative, I will say like, how are you feeling about this so far? Mm -hmm. Is it meeting expectations? Could I be doing something different? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to get to like three months down the road and be like, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. I've had those emails before Mm -hmm. where it's like, I had a person ghost me for two months at the end of their six month program. And then on the day their six month program expired, I get an email saying like, haven't heard from you in a while. I sent you five text messages. You didn't respond to one of them. So I thought we were done. Yeah. Learn my lesson. Now I confirm that we're done on, mm-hmm. over email. But saying like, you know, this is what I thought of you as a coach. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And I was like, this would have been great to know mm-hmm. while you still like were in your membership. But now you just, I guess you just are proactive as a coach to ensure that you had, you recently had one like this. Yeah. I had a client quit because I was like texting. I would be like checking in with her and like, she would either reply once or not at all. And so, but I like kept, I, it was like very early on. So like, I was still like continuing to like check in and she would give me either one or like no answer. And then she eventually was like, all I've received from you is like a very generic plan with like, specific macros so like thanks for that and like i had to ask you for supplement recommendations and again she was like thanks for that but like otherwise i don't see like what i'm paying for here and i was like look like this is like a collaborative process like i don't know what you need unless you answer me so like this isn't a program like we've said like it's coaching so like i need something back from you so to know where to go yeah that was did she respond to that no, I think the next message was just her saying, please cancel my membership. <laughs> yeah, amazing. that's always so tough. <laughs> Sometimes I like to I like to place I like to visualize these people in a like a session with a therapist mm-hmm. and just like, okay, how would that go? And it wouldn't. <laughs> it's the same type of relationship. Not that we're therapists, but yeah. it's sort of like talk therapy. Yeah. Like you have to talk in order for this to, to work. A lot of coaching is just an active form of journaling. And even if this lady, I think about these things a lot because I want to be better. And so I want to like see their points of view. If she wanted like resources or something like hard, like infographics or something like that, like I could direct her to those, but I need you to tell me that. Yeah. Like I'm not a mind reader. I like, I don't know that that's what you're looking for. Right. A message that says like, Hey, Like, I appreciate the conversation. I'm a really visual learner, especially at the beginning. So can you point me in the direction of some resources or like, do you have any? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, also, you have to think about what it would be like on the client end of things. Like, I mean, and this assumes that someone is capable of any amount of introspection. But on the client end of things, what if we just peppered people with deliverables at the beginning? Like, that would be so overwhelming. So part of the early coaching process is figuring out what does this person need and delivering just that so that it's it's actionable it's digestible it's not overwhelming versus like 
here's everything that we know about nutrition and coaching in infographics. Mm -hmm. Sort through it on your own. You know, that would be crazy. It's a bit tough because a lot of a lot of people sign up have never had a coach. Yeah. So it's like, you know, some of them don't know what coaching is supposed to look like. So they can't necessarily say to the coach, like, this is how I want my coaching to look. But we ask a lot of questions like, hey, how's tracking going so far? How are you finding things like very open ended so that we can get some sort of feedback? Like Mm -hmm. that's an opportunity for the client to say, this is going well. This is what I'm struggling with. Sometimes I say, what's going well? What are you struggling with? Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions? And if you get like, hey, what's going well? Or how's it going? What's going well? What are you struggling with? And you get back like, good. Mm -hmm. You're like, "Um, sweet. (laughs) Okay. Some of my best clients who've never had coaches will say like, hey, is this how, is it, am I delivering to you what you need to do to coach me? And I'm like, wow, yes. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, is there anything more I can be providing? Or if there's anything you need from me. And sometimes those clients, when you say, hey, can you provide a little more information here? They're very responsive. But the clients that, we will say like, hey, communication's not great. Mm-hmm. Is there a better time that I can reach out? Mm-hmm. If someone's messaging you back consistently at like 8, 9 p.m. or like two days later, that means that this maybe just isn't a priority. Yeah. And also. like, again, like maybe they have something going on and they get into this and they realize like, oh, I actually like don't have time to prioritize that. Like that is understandable, but it is just something where it's like on our end, we're like, okay, like this is more difficult than it needs to be, or like maybe this isn't going to work or yeah, yeah. whatever. I heard up, there was a post that Mel Robbins did and I really liked it. And it's like, it's not that you don't have time. It's that it's not a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that. It also like the mind reading thing goes to, goes the other way too. Like sometimes, and I've had this happen and I know we talked about it. Like when people start and they're just perfect across the board and you're mm-hmm. like, uh, <laughs> this is not going to last. Like sometimes people do great with that approach and it does last. But then a lot of times, you get two months into it and people just like flip a switch and they're like, this isn't sustainable, mm-hmm. this and this. And a lot of times it's, it, for me, I start pushing on people to get off the tracking apps really early in the process, at least like, you know, a day off here and there. And a lot of times it's it's people who are initially resistant to that. And then it becomes like, I can't track my food forever, this and this. And like, but the communication up to that point has been like, yeah, it's great. I'm making progress. I'm really happy, this and this. But in the background, there's like this resentment of the amount of like quantification and frankly, probably work that goes into being able to track your food really accurately. That's a conversation that we can have and Mm -hmm. we can kind of proactively start to address that and deal with those feelings versus, yeah, you just get to a point and then the whole thing breaks. But you have no, like, I have no idea as a coach. And it's also not fair to make assumptions about people. Like we're nutrition and lifestyle coaching. I would say mindset is included in that. That is so encompassing. I mean, we're talking sleep, relationships, nutrition, which is a just a ball of just, well, it's, yeah, it's so, it's such a broad it's category. It's so broad. It's so complicated. You've got work stress. You have like m- mindset, like re- your relationship with food, history. Like there's so many things <laughs> that everyone has and that could be different. Sometimes I could be asking a client, like, how was your sleep this week? And maybe they really want to talk about the fact that they binged. Yeah. But I didn't know to say, hey, did you binge? Yeah. So that's when it's really helpful for a client to be very like proactive yeah. coming with, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. My name is Meredith. My name is not Cleopatra. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Miss Cleo. No, that's not it. Do you get that reference? No, no you don't. Okay. <laughs> Alex is just staring at me like, what did you just I'm say? I'm like, <laughs> good one. 
Yeah. You don't know the Jamaican Miss Cleo? Okay. Never no. mind. So let's talk about the reactivity versus proactivity. And the, 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 these all kind of t- tie into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would be the difference between like a reactive client versus a proactive client? So reactive would be like, like not looking ahead and just being like, oh, like I ended up in this situation and this happened versus like a proactive client might be like, hey, like I'm looking at my weekend. And like we ask this too. like I a lot of times will ask my clients, like, what do you have up for this week? What do you have up for this? Yeah, I'm not asking because I actually like. Yeah, people will like (laughs) ignore that question sometimes. And I'm like, there's actually a reason I'm not just saying like, hey, how's it going? Like I'm asking, like, what do you have up for this week so we can like plan ahead? So, yeah, like the proactive client might be like, I have I'm going to a barbecue this day. I have a wedding this day whatever I'm doing, whatever. So then we can talk about it. And so then I can be like, okay, do you want to track while you're there? Or do you want to take it off? Do you, can you pack snacks for it? Like those types of clients are going to be a lot more successful in like being able to balance both the like social aspect of their lives and these like nutrition goals that they have. If we talk about it before versus I check in on Monday and they're like, oh yeah, I had this all going on and I didn't have any food with me. And so then I didn't eat all day and I was so hungry and I ate four burgers and two bags of chips at the barbecue. I think (laughs) like that would be the reactive client. And then you're like, okay, that's great to know. So do you have any other barbecues coming up like this weekend? Nope. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So maybe like, would you have done anything different like looking back so that it can help for the future? Yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have eaten those two bags. Of, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's I had, a, literally I had one that uh, I, you know, checked in with this person and they said like, you know, I was like, how's it going? Like your logs are empty, which is totally fine. I just want to know, like, you know, what's going on? It was over a weekend and they messaged back. They're like, I'm actually in Italy. Yeah, I've gotten <laughs> clients like that. <laughs> and it was like, they're like, I, you know, I am sort of struggling with the lack of protein and, you know, there's just bread and pasta everywhere. Do you have any thoughts? I was like. <laughs> Oh my God! Maybe we could have talked about this before you could you have left brought the protein powder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then it's like, but I'm also I don't I don't have cell service here, so I I won't be able to get back to you until I'm on Wi-Fi again. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah. I get that people have a lot going on, but it it is hard hearing that or like I love the best. This is for me for like perform people who have performance goals like. Um, I have a competition tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any, do you have any like suggestions? Yeah. Like, you start, you should have started eating two days ago. <laughs> yeah. My suggestion would be to loot me in a little earlier next time. Hey, how was your weekend? Well, I ran a race on Sunday <laughs> yeah. and I bonked. Oh, why do you, you think that was? Okay. That's tough. Yeah. yeah. Those but, are tough. Cause you just see it like you're there and you want to help and they didn't use you and you're just like, mm. yeah, <laughs> I think really all of this comes from like a real desire to just really help people. Yeah. We thrive on helping people. It's so fun to help people achieve their goals or like have a successful weekend or help them just navigate things better. Like you mm-hmm. signed up for this and it's really difficult when you can't or mm-hmm. that when you just don't have the opportunity to, I, I was saying to you before we were recording this podcast, I think in all of the clients that we've ever worked with, there has been maybe one, potentially two clients that the coach has said, like, I don't think we should continue to work together. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be ending your, your membership. Mm-hmm. There might be times where you say like, Hey, this is beyond my scope. I would maybe recommend seeing a therapist. That's different, mm-hmm. but actually like firing a client, extremely, extremely, extremely rare. We will yeah. do whatever we can. If the client we don't cancel memberships unless 
someone says, I want to cancel my membership because you don't know what that value, like maybe you haven't heard from the client in a month, but maybe they still are in it Mm -hmm. in their own way. We don't fire clients. Like we will do what we can to help. We put up with a lot. Mm -hmm. I fired one a few months ago and it was like, it was a situation that was becoming emotionally abusive. Yeah. Yeah, Like if they're being mean to the coach, then it's just like, yeah, yeah. there's, we don't, we have a pretty, pretty much a zero tolerance policy for that. But it was someone who like, so weird. I had worked with for a very long time, like going on a year and they just like, I don't know, they just like flipped a switch and all of a sudden like I was the enemy and just very, very, very mean. And so it was like, okay. And it was a six month membership. Yeah. So I basically was like, we're going to be like for my own mental health. I have to end our relationship. I'll be refunding you the balance of your membership and never heard back. So yeah, that those are the, those are the bad ones. It's quite rare that we're just like cutting clients out if they're not we try to resolve it. We try to do everything we can to help that person. Mm-hmm. Cause we know we, they sign up that we know, we don't know what people have going on. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll say to my mom, like, Oh, this client, you know, I'm struggling with them. And she reminds me cause she had a lot of food issues. She's like, you just don't know what people have got going on. And yeah. it's, I always tell people like, you have to treat yourself with compassion and not self judgment. And I often have to remind myself of that in check-ins. Like if someone's mm-hmm. struggling and I'm like, Oh, yeah. I just want you to, let me like help me help you help and, me <laughs> help you but you just don't know and yeah, sometimes yeah. they're not in a place to to say yeah. maybe they're they've got something personal that they're not ready to share yeah. you just don't know so i would i would say let's the next the next one would be kind of again on the same train of thought the unwillingness to be an active participant so for example i'll say like what would you feel would be a good small goal to set for this week mm-hmm. and you get the, I don't know. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's hard because in all of my clients I've ever had, the the number of small goals is outrageous. I mean, there's thousands to choose from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can be helpful when the client picks their goal. Mm-hmm. And it's also, there's some psychology behind that. They're not being told what to do. They're deciding what to do, which is yeah. powerful. I think that's a like the self-determination theory, which is a behavior theory that I really think is valuable it's like a a model for coaching, which is like through communication and connection, people can be an active participant in the path that they choose to walk down. So instead of the coach being like, you know, this week, you're going to focus on this, this and this, it's whatever they feel like would be most valuable. But a lot of people don't know what they don't know. And I think a lot of people come from other coaches where that is, yeah, where people they're like just telling them what to do. And if they don't do it, then they're failing. And so I get a lot of clients that like have come from that and they're like, just like so relieved yeah. that they're like, so, like actually like a part of the coaching process. And I think it's like kind of weird for them. And like, I get a lot of like at the beginning, maybe like feelings of letting me down. And I'm like, no, like, this is good. You're talking to me. You're telling me what you're struggling with. You're not letting me down. Like, I'm just trying to help you. So like, let's work together on this versus. Yeah. I think like some coaches are like, nope, this week we're focusing on this. And if you don't do it, then you get like a five out of 10 score. And next week we're going to try to get a seven out of 10 score. So like people are so used to getting in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they're dealing with coaches or like figures of authority. And it's like, no, we're on the same. We're just like, we're on the same level. Yeah. There's no, there's no judgment. Like I had this conversation yesterday, like number one, you're not on a diet. This isn't a diet. There's no failing. There's only learning. Like the only way you fail is if you give up Mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm. And and she was like, Hey, so not a diet and there's no program. So I can't fail. I was like, exactly. This is a person who is like very type a straight a student. She's a physician. So it's like, 
And I was like, okay, but like, did you get A's through med school? Really? And she was like, yes. And I was like, oh, so this is, we're like learning how to fail here. But yeah, like that, especially in fitness and nutrition and health, it's so much of like, you know, you're being good or you're being bad. And I realize like we're recording a podcast about like bad clients, but that's not what we're doing here. And you can't fail our program. Like you decide where you want to work. That's it. And some people don't understand this. There are many paths to success. Mm -hmm. There are many paths to the same goal, Mm -hmm. depending on the person. Maybe you have two clients who have, let's just say, for example, the goal to lose 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. The way that client A gets there could be completely different from the way that client B gets there. Mm -hmm. It could be different timeframes. And so you can't really tell a person how to do it. There's no blanket, like I said, no blanket approach. Sometimes after our holiday challenge, which is a very like, do this on day one, do this Mm -hmm. on day two. People sign up after that and they expect the coaching to be that way. Mm -hmm. Day one, this is what we're focusing on. Day two, this is, and it's very much not that. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, we'll we'll help you, but you're kind of driving the bus. Like Mm -hmm. use what you learn from the challenge and like, let's make it more for you. Mm -hmm. But even with some people that come in after the challenge, which is a hard time, I'm like, well, why don't we just start over on the challenge? And they're like, no, I want to do something new. I'm like, but the challenge was working. Yeah. That's why you signed up. So like, what if we just keep doing it? Mm -hmm. A lot of people just crave novelty because I think it's it distracts from the difficulty of making like long term sustainable changes to nutrition Mm -hmm. versus, yeah, working slowly and with a coach, which is just like sometimes feels like a slog. Mm -hmm. I've had a client for almost two years and probably once every two weeks I ask her about her water intake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like you have to really hammer, continue to hammer the basics. And that's a challenge thing. Drink a glass of water. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like I I had this conversation with someone yesterday. I had a lot of conversations yesterday, (laughs) but it is it's someone who's historically been like, hey, what do you think I should focus on? Or like, I want some goals for this week. And Mm -hmm. they're constantly and I I get like, I'll I'll say, well, I have a lot of clients focusing on this right now. What do you think about that? You know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, they were struggling to work like our primary focus for the last couple of weeks has been meal planning and timing, which is just honestly solves a lot of people's problems Mm -hmm. like plan and then be consistent with timing. And they had let that slip a little bit. And I was like, look, like, it's kind of hard because a lot of this is just deciding that you give a shit and you give enough of a shit to, like, change the way that you do things historically. And then but also, like, you can just decide that it's not actually that important to you. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. But, like, you this whole thing where you're trying to force it through, like, constant introduction of novelty into the process, like, exhausting, number one, as a coach, not sustainable for you. Like, because eventually you're going to run out of little goals to focus on. And then what happens? Mm -hmm. What happens is you realize, like, you know, maybe I don't want to be super oppressive about my nutrition. Maybe I value other things. And instead of actually working on finding the balance between those other things, like we've just wasted a year of your life trying to trick yourself into thinking that being hawkish about your food is actually what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Agreed. Okay. So, Lindsay... I actually really remember this post. I think it was probably over a year ago you posted it, but it was about trust Mm -hmm. and like the value of trusting your coach. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that and like what it looks like if a coach doesn't have the trust of the client. Yeah. I think again, that's just like a really hard client to work with. Like if you suggest something and they, you can just tell that they're like, they're not trusting you or they don't think that they should do that. I would say actually like a good example might be like, if we're looking at someone who's tracking macros, like I want to say that there's still 
progress to be made, say in like adherence or in like maybe like timing or something like that. So like, I don't want to lower your macros yet because I think there's still a possibility that we can like see progress staying here and they don't trust that. They don't like, they're like, no, like this isn't working. So I want to lower them, which is okay. Like it can be a conversation where it's like a lot of times I'll be like, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I think, but how are you feeling? And then they'll be like, I think I'm like close enough. I'd like to drop them. And then we kind of discuss like the pros and cons of that. And we might go that way, but it's more like we come to the conclusion that I think that we should like keep them the same. And they're like, I don't know. You get the sense that they're like angry about it or that they like don't trust it, that that's actually going to happen. Or I've had like a client, I guess, say like, you know, it's been X number of days and I still haven't made progress. I'm not sure that, yeah, like this program is for me or whatever. And you try to like point out that like, oh, maybe there's like, again, like something to be gained with like an adherence or something. And they just like don't want to hear that because they don't trust that you kind of know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like too broad. But yeah, you definitely need to just like, there's certain things, like you said, there's like so many different ways to get from point A to point B. And so if you hire a coach, they might think or like suggest that one route is the right route. And so at a certain point, you just have to like trust that they know what they're talking about and just like go down that path and not look at the like other possible mm. paths because it's just going to distract you and you're not going to get where you want to go. So, yeah, I think, again, like I've I've told clients before, like there is a little bit of trial and error like involved in this. Like I want to try this path and if it doesn't work, we can come back and try a different path. But I need you to just trust me and just like go down this one with me for now. Yeah. Like if you don't trust you're not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't trusted some coaches and I'm like, why am I doing this? And then you just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had, I find people with trust issues often will pit their professionals against one another. So maybe they're working with a nutrition coach, but they also have a trainer or a a fitness programmer or a coach. And then maybe they have like a naturopathic doctor and it's constantly like, you know, well, Kyle, my programmer said this about nutrition. Mm -hmm. What do you think? And but then they, you, you also get like the other end, which is like, well, you know, this is my programming. What do you think about it? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, or you get the, well, I, I saw my ND and they think this about my digestion. And it's just constant. Like, I'm like, do you just, is this what you do you to people? Or you just bounce around, yeah. but then you're all, you're constantly like, well, this is what my nutrition coach said. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, this is what my, what my programmer said. What do you think? Mm-hmm. This is what my ND told me. And what they just you say ask, to that. You're like, I'm right. <laughs> I used to be really combative. And now I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to try that, then by all means, like I wouldn't support it, but I understand that there's many ways to go about this. I do. This is different than someone being curious, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, wondering why you're suggesting this. I love when people ask that if I don't already explain it to them, because I'm like, this is partially actually more than partially about educating the client. Mm -hmm. We don't want a client. We don't want to be a client's crutch. Crutch. Yeah. We want to be like there as a, as support and guidance. And like part of educating the client on why we do things helps them learn how to do it by themselves in the future. Mm -hmm. I like when we're like, Hey, why are you doing this? Or, Hey, you know what? My like strength coach or said this, or I read this, like, which is different than what you said. Like, can you explain what the deal is? I don't, that's not a distrust. That's like curiosity, which we'll talk about is, is a good thing. The distrust is it's very clear. It's, and it's not doing it and saying, I didn't do it because I don't, you know, or saying it's not going to work before you even try it. That's a distrust. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's a tough one. And I've been, I've not trusted coaches before. Mm -hmm. And it's like, now I know as soon as, even if I hire a professional, a physio, 
recently like a realtor and they're and I don't trust them I just I'm done with them immediately Mm -hmm. because it's so much mental anguish to be like do I do it do I not are they right there really just like is no point at that point yeah if you don't trust your coach or the yeah like that person of authority there's just like find someone else it's a complete waste of time yeah I went to an osteopath once for like a shoulder injury and I was like oh we'll see what you know see if they can help and at like one point I'm laying on the table and he has his finger in my ear and I was like (laughs) This is going to be a, a one and done for me. I don't no for me. trust that this is going to be what I need. Did you ride out the rest of the appointment? I did, but I was like, you know, you're just like, ah, whatever. Just make sure you do the other ear. So, we- so this kind of ties in well with, oh, this is so negative, but the, the know-it-alls. Yeah. Why do people hire coaches if they already know how to do it? The clients that just want to tell you what they should do. And yeah. Like- What's worked for them in the past? I love that one. (laughs) I find there's a fine line. Why did you hire me? There's a a fine line, though. Like, I do think some people have knowledge. They really lack the ability to adhere to the knowledge that they do have. And sometimes that's all it is. And it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, I was thinking this. This is what I want to try. Like, what do you think about that? They come with solutions that they have come up with. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's amazing. A lot of times when you work with other coaches, that's what it can be like. Mm -hmm. But... Then you sometimes get people that I'm like, are you paying a monthly membership so that you have someone to fight with? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that's what it can feel like. Some it's it's like it's why why are we doing this? But it's, there's a very there's a combativeness to it, or like it's like a combination of aggression and lack of trust, and like there's something else potentially going on in their life that has them very agitated, and also they're a know it all. Yeah, I get the like you know I've had people come and they they think keep like they have a belief this again it ties into the next one which is like not like really struggling or not willing to let go of old ways or beliefs which is again lack of trust but it's like the people who i had an inquiry call once about some guy he was a triathlete who firmly believed that keto was superior for endurance performance Mm -hmm. and was telling me things and saying things that just were not true Mm -hmm. and i was like i that's not supported in the science and yeah, he he didn't end up signing up. <laughs> but we get people with those things that sign up and then just battle us. Yeah. Which makes no sense. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm not gonna tell you to go keto. Yeah. So find another coach. It's like they want to convince a subject matter expert that they're right and then have that expert re-deliver things that they apparently already know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For validation, I guess. Super we don't weird. actually get that many people anymore. Yeah, I'm no. Think. I think we're so clear on our messaging and from Instagram, and most of our clients do come through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and our women. <laughs> I had to that's say that's a it. whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say it just they they lack the curiosity and and trust and all of the things. But mm-hmm. it just it's coming in with a, a bit of an ego, which can be difficult to navigate. Yeah, but, it's just like so hard to understand, like why are you here then? Like, I just like, (laughs) what do you want from me if you already know everything? Yeah. Yeah. The next one is not taking personal responsibility. And I'm going to tie this in with people who make excuses. And this is different than people who come with like reasons. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't hit my macros because my kids ate my pre-prepped food so to avoid that, I'm going to make more next time. Mm-hmm. That That is a legitimate reason. And like Happens sharing that with time. your coach is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ta- the excuses, I think the way that you would define it is someone who's just, who's not working to like, to, to use it as a way to kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. It's like something happened to me 
that is be beyond my control. It's not even worth talking about almost. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this happened. So I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I did this. Yeah. I don't know why this happens. I just wish it wasn't me that this happens to. Wish I didn't. I wish I could be like other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it happens a lot in like relationships. And like, again, I don't know the dynamic of everybody's relationships. So uh, like say this with like a grain of salt, but it's like, oh, my husband doesn't eat the same as I do. And he had pizza. So I had to have pizza. And like sometimes like you do want to like enjoy a meal with your significant other. But other times it's like you are your own person, like add a salad or something to that pizza, like put some protein on it and like make it more balanced or something. And it's just like, well, like throwing up your hands and being like, oh, there was this here. So I had to eat it or I had to do this or whatever is where I'm like, it's like there's a reluctancy to because part of the growth in this program, quote unquote, what we help people with is learning new ways of behaving and responding in familiar situations, like Mm -hmm. facing these situations, but you have to be willing to face them differently and like not buy into your own excuses or, you know, historical reasons for struggling just because, you know, well, my husband wanted pizza. So we ate pizza. It's like, well, you're also, like you said, your own human being and you can say no to that. You can ask for, to have your needs met Mm -hmm. and just like sort of challenge the, the ways that you've handled yourself in the past. But a lot of people aren't willing to do that. The, I read somewhere that people who tend to be more successful are the ones that associate failure with intrinsic factors. So it's like, I failed because I didn't do this mm. or I because I did this, which allows them to take responsibility and change it. They're in control. Mm-hmm. The people who tend to struggle with having success are the ones that say, I failed because so-and-so did this to me. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have you can't change that because mm-hmm. you can't control that other person. So the I guess to say you could say I failed because someone splashed water on me in the lane next to me. Mm-hmm. That would be somebody who's associating their failure with someone else, and it relinquishes a responsibility. Person who fails because they were distracted by water being splashed on them. That's something that you can practice not to be distracted by. Mm -hmm. Okay. I need to work a little bit harder on like maybe train with people in lanes next to me who splash a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not a swimmer. Which is different than I think like linking it intrinsically to something like a value that you have or like a a thing about you. Like it's not, you're not a failure. Your identity isn't as like failure at swimming you just did this thing that caused you to fail it wasn't the person beside you yeah so then yeah you're in control of that you can change that like often i'll say well what could you have done differently in order to have a more successful evening Mm -hmm. well nothing because my husband is in charge of dinner and he ordered pizza Mm -hmm. that's not what could you have done Mm -hmm. Oh, I could have asked my husband to order me a salad. That would be somebody who's taking control. It does protect your, I think some people, it protects their ego a little to to slough off that responsibility, but there's, there there can't be ego here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, you know, we've talked in the past about how athletes and people who come from an athletic background have different mindsets around this type of struggle. And I think you see that all the time. And like the, the lane splashing, like for me personally, I remember there was a time it was like 2016 CrossFit regionals, the snatch ladder, which I'm sure you remember, which I had clear, I had finished that ladder and training over and over and over again. And then I get there and I didn't even come close. And it was because my lane had these little floor drains. And so every time I would drop the bar, it would hit the floor drain. It would make a big noise. And then the bar would be like off center. 
So I can never snatch with a straight bar. And I couldn't mentally adjust to that. Mm. And when I finished, it was like, why didn't I finish the ladder? It's like, well, because I had floor drains in my lane. <laughs> and I, after that weekend was over, I was really frustrated. And then one of my friends told me, like, it wasn't that you had floor drains. It was that you failed to adjust to the fact that the situation wasn't exactly like you wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And so for that entire year after, whenever I would, like if she was around and I was like snatching, because I was really particular with how I would set my bar up in training, she would come and just twist it or put some put a foam roller in front of me or something just to like visually throw me off. So I started practicing with that kind of thing or I wouldn't adjust my bar. If my weights had slid off to one side, I wouldn't fix them. And you just start changing the way that you adjust to situations that are not ideal. They're not exactly like you want them to be so that when you are in a real life scenario, when you're faced with something like that, you can mentally handle it versus yeah. just like folding and being a whiny little baby, which it is does what hurt. I did. It, <laughs> such, it does hurt when someone's like, no, that was your fault. Yeah. yeah. But on the flip side, it's like it empowers you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can do something about that. Mm -hmm. So you're just not at the whim of like every time you go into competition, you're worried about which way your bar is going to be bouncing <laughs> or whatever. If the yeah. floor is uneven. Yeah. You become a person who can just be like, eh. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's, it is, you have to like not have an ego because if you do have an ego and someone's like, no, that's your fault. You actually could have done that differently. It's going to dig a little bit. It's going to hurt. And then you're like, well, fuck you. I'm quitting. Yeah. 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 We don't say it's your fault. We say, like I said, what could you have done differently? Yeah. How can we prepare for this next time? Yeah. What yeah. were some things in your control that you didn't do the best job controlling? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Things like that. The other day when I was injured, I was like, I'm I'm hoping my plan is to be able to run by Tuesday. It was an injury. I'm like, I don't know how long it's going to be till I can run. And Meredith is like, well, what are you going to do to ensure that you can run by Tuesday? <laughs> and I was like, I can only control a certain extent, but I can't control the timeline. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a, that Did was like, like that oh, question? she's coaching. I, she's yeah, coaching. I, was. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I was. <laughs> but even as coaches, like, you know, we tell people all the time, like all these things that we've said, like you I should think be more of this, you take responsibility, but it's human nature to yeah. just want a certain, like to, to set an expectation on progress on something you have no control my, over. I think my exact language was like, what are, what are the things that you're going to do to give yourself the best opportunity of being able to run on Tuesday. That yeah. was how I worded and that, it. And that's easy to answer, like ice, take rest, yeah. all these things. But then it did make me think like, why do I think I can, how can I set a timeline on this? Mm -hmm. It's a human thing, but it's nice to have someone to say in a nice way, like, hey, check yourself. Mm -hmm. Did I run by Tuesday? No. <laughs> the last couple are a little bit tough whack-a-mole people. <laughs> I'm so glad you put this one on the list. Oh, these are the worst. There's actually these last two are the worst to deal with because it puts you in a, in a bit of a tricky predicament to say like, hey, it doesn't seem like you're very open to my suggestions. Mm -hmm. Is it people where you make a suggestion and say, no, I don't like this. Okay. Well, how about this? No, I don't like apples. Okay. Well, what if we tried doing this? And they're like, I did that once. It didn't work. But it's basically like every suggestion you put up, they just like, it's like they whack it, but they don't come with their own, like, yeah, I don't like apples, but I do like these. So what if yeah. I do that? It's not, it's You're just, just like, like, nope, like try again. Shooting arrows in yeah. the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, try again. <laughs> nope, try again. I had a really bad one once and it was someone who, I wake up hungry at night and I'm like, okay, well, would you be open to eating something? Well, I don't really like getting out of bed. <laughs> okay, well, what if you like had a snack beside your bed? Um, Yeah, but I don't really like to eat like processed foods. Okay, well, what if you had an apple beside your bed? Well, an apple, I like my apples to be refrigerated, so I'd have to go downstairs. Okay, well, what if we just drank a, a glass of water? 
Well, again, that would make me go downstairs because I don't like leaving glass in the, the bedroom. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. And so I think at that point, I literally was about to throw my phone out the window and I just stopped texting that person. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't know if they realized it or if they just weren't happy, but they messaged me the next day and say, Hey, I don't, I'm going to cancel my membership. I don't necessarily think this is a good fit. <laughs> you don't I was like, say. Yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> I that I would have to agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those are rare. I it's, would say. It literally feels like playing whack-a-mole though. And, and I like, don't even really let myself get into that position. I'll say, what would be a good solution for what you? What do you think you should do? <laughs> yeah. And then they say, I don't know. And I say, or I'll say, let me know what you think would be a good solution. If you can't come up with anything, maybe we can brainstorm together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those ones are tough. Whack-a-mole. I've never heard it referred to as that. I really like it. Yeah, <laughs> You've had those clients. Yeah, for sure. The best visual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about this? Whack. <laughs> I'm like, here's the thing. Whack. If you sign up for nutrition coaching, the same options with regards to food exist. Mm-hmm. Your coach isn't going to be able to come up with like these new foods that you've never heard of on account that you're paying for nutrition coaching now. Mm-hmm. This <laughs> tends to happen quite a bit with like, vegans and vegetarians, where you're already very limited. Well, what are some vegan protein sources? Well, you've been a vegan for 10 years. Trust me, you know more than I do. And so what ends up happening is like you end up Googling and be like, well, what about lentils? Well, I don't like lentils. (laughs) Oh my geez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my word. Oh geez. Yeah. I don't, but yeah, that's again, I would say new diet unlocked, (laughs) (laughs) you know, here come all the secret foods. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, the last one. I'm not taking this one. Liars. Oh, <laughs> people who just lie to your face. Is this worse or better than lack of communication? It's worse. It's worse. You really can't help someone if they're straight up lying to you. To your face. So we've worked with clients. I mean, I've worked, Lindsay, you've worked with clients in many different respects, like in person, online, mm-hmm. with fitness, with nutrition. What are like, and we say this too, like our bullshit meters are so dialed. Yes. Finely tuned <laughs> instruments. Yeah. We've seen it. Yeah. You know when you're a kid and you're like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to lie to my parents or I'm going to lie to my teacher. Yeah. And you think that you can pull one over on a teacher who's taught thousands of, of kids. kids. Yeah. It never works. It never, because they've seen it all. We're the teachers. Yeah. <laughs> I think that a lot of times can come from people who have historically gotten in trouble or being scolded or shamed Mm -hmm. or embarrassed in, in any, in coaching, in maybe their history as a child Mm -hmm. or in sports, whatever it may be. And it, that's the, this like their coping mechanism, or I don't know necessarily it's a defense mechanism. Avoidance Mm -hmm. type. And it, it's like, it's what's helped them. I don't know, like not get in trouble in the past. And maybe that's just their tendency is like, okay, I, I just need to, make this better. Yeah. Like I'll fix it. So I'm just going to lie and say that I did it fine today. And then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it well, like moving forward. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you can't, I don't know. I'm sure I'm not a psychologist. I'm sure lying. There's a lot of reasons people do it Mm -hmm. and good reasons, but it's really difficult as a coach to number one, like help someone who's lying to you. Mm -hmm. And number two, say like, Hey, are you lying to me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because what if they're not? What if they're not? And also, what if they double down? <laughs> yeah. Then you're like, yeah. well, then you kind of have to just be like, okay, I guess it's just a glitch in my fitness pal. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's it's because it's so easy to do. I think it can become kind of a positive feedback loop that people just do it. And then they, like you said, it's okay, I'll just, I'll just do this better tomorrow. But then they don't. So then they just lie again. So then it just becomes this pattern. 
And then they've been doing it so long that they almost convince themselves that they've been doing a good job Mm -hmm. when really they've just been sort of going through the the minimum motions. And then when it's the rubber hits the road and there's no progress, then they're like, well, no, but I've been doing it. But like deep down, they know that they haven't been doing it, but they just they can't be honest with themselves. So how are they going to be honest with their coach? Mm -hmm. It's a tough situation. I think the amount of information that we put up and hopefully being just a very um, approachable coach, which I think we all try to be, but also have authority. You want that as well. I think we've hopefully for a lot of people created a safe space where I've recently had a lot of clients say like, I don't track on days where I know I'm not going to be perfect because I don't want you to see it, Mm -hmm. but I am going to commit to like this honesty and track no matter what. And that I think it's just, it's really hard because it's on paper. It's like, I didn't do what I, my goal was, which is to hit my macros or whatever. But I think once you can kind of commit to that and it's okay and it's productive, then you can get through it. But it's, I guess that, like I said, the psychology probably runs deep for some people and in general. So it's tough. And yeah, I think like, even with like going back to the communication, like if they lie to you at some point and then they eventually do like come clean and tell you then you can work with that but if they just like continuously are just like covering it up and you're confused as to why they're not making progress and so now you have like like an inkling that like they might not be being honest Mm -hmm. and it just yeah it's probably the relationship starting to degrade at that point. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be some resentment that comes up at some point. A but. big one, a big one is just as an example. When you sign up for coaching, we always say if you're going to track macros or just generally like plan ahead. So try not to track after the fact. At the end of the day, it, it's like it, you're not using tracking for the right reason. It's not a like, it should be a planning tool, not a surveillance tool. Yeah. So like, how did I do today? Yeah. It's more like, how do I prepare for a successful day? Mm-hmm. What do I need to have for breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever it may be. So sometimes, and I'm going to just let you in on the secret. We work the night before check-in days. Mm-hmm. We check logs sometimes. And we know we will see if we check a log and it's like Monday to Thursday is not logged. We see this on Thursday night. Sometimes I don't sleep. So I'll get up. We've gotten up at like three or four in the morning and check logs so that we can write, you know, have like write notes on the, on the logs. So we have that's done for the next day. And then we can just send a message to the client. So logs are empty. Then the next morning you open the log and it's now fully complete, which they've done on Friday morning. And so you'll but maybe you don't open the log again. So you say, hey, I noticed you didn't log this week. Like, is everything okay? And they'll say, yeah, no, no, I did. I did log. I, I'm like, okay, are you, and I try to kind of like approach it in a nice way. Like, are you trying to log before each day? Like kind of like we discussed using it as a planning tool. Yep. And it's like, yep. Okay. And so what then, do you yeah, say? What do you do? Or I, at this point now I'll say, I actually, I checked your logs last night and there, there wasn't anything logged. Like, are you logging after the fact? Like, are you still finding that a valuable way to do it? I really try to kind of like, I'm going to do give it you an opportunity to, to not feel like they're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. No one wants to be that person. Yeah. I'm not out to get you. Right. Yeah. But also if you're not going to log, just don't. Just don't. Yeah. And we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. That's the, probably the most common one. 
for sure. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, people will be like, or it's not lying, but they'll just say like, I'll go back and fill it out. And I'm like, you really don't need to do that. Let's focus on the days coming up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they're like, no, I, but I filled it out. You can look. I'm like, no, I don't, I, I don't, don't need to see. I'm not going to look. Yeah. It's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You actually, if I, if we ever have started a conversation and your logs aren't filled out, you don't need to go fill them out. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go look. I think the overarching thing, if I think about our discussion today is as coaches, we're always looking forward. Mm-hmm. How do we do better next time? How do we step forward? How do, how are we productive? And I think that the clients that maybe aren't quite ready for a coach are the ones that are are clinging onto the past mm-hmm. or not, a, not looking forward or not helping us focus on the future. I think like the reason to like look back would just be like, can we learn anything from what has happened so that we can use it in the future? Yeah. But we don't need to dwell on it and we don't need to like bring preconceived notions from the past into like our current endeavors here with nutrition be open, be honest, be communicative. Let's move forward. Yeah. 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 That's how you use the past is you like with everything it's learning mm-hmm. and that's and it. We're, we're all human. Mm-hmm. Like your coach is a human. Every client is a human. Like you're going to make mistakes. That's why you have a coach to mm-hmm. help. And we pride ourselves on having a group, a team that are all accepting and non-judgmental and compassionate coaches. So there's if you're a current client or if you're a prospective client, you can never be worried about the judgment or feeling like you need to be ashamed more so than you're probably already shaming yourself. Like we just don't come with that. No. Mm-hmm. And I had so a client say that to me recently, like I was like there's no need to feel like bad about it. I'm never going to make you feel ashamed and she was like, "Yeah, like I make myself like I shame myself enough." for everyone and i was like we're gonna work on that also yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's really common yeah Yeah. for sure yeah Yeah. i think honesty is always the best policy as long as you're in a safe space for it Mm -hmm. which our coaching relationships are that but yeah that was a tough a tough topic because you don't want to come at it too negatively Mm -hmm. and i like i said to kind of wrap up there's so many reasons that people do the things that they do and we probably have just a small glimpse into what's going on in the client's world. So we try not to to make judgment. We hope that this podcast just helps helps everyone out there in in things outside of nutrition also just be a better and more productive person or client or parent or whatever so that things can can be the best they can possibly be. So you can live your best life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for Lindsay. Me again. No mountain biking today, right? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We can go to P9. Yeah. yeah. We'll mountain bike. Lindsay will work out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you like this one, share it, like, subscribe, leave us a review with words. We love those. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>